shopping today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Beverly Hills 90210 fans, welcome to 90210 So, Beverly Hills 90210 podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as always is my buddy Tim. Tim, how are you? Yes, JT, I'm doing pretty good. I've got those back-to-school jitters, though. Mm. I don't know about you, but um, going into, well, we thought it would be their senior year. Turns out, <laughs> maybe not so much. They all stayed um, back. They all <laughs> got held back, would you look at that? Except David. Um... So, uh, the school year has officially kicked off here on Season 2. The uh, the Beverly Hills uh, Beach Club era is behind us. Can you believe we spent we spent seven episodes during the summertime months with these kids? I mean, seven episodes is the better part of an entire season mm-hmm. <laughs> of a show today. And now we are just getting back to school here on the show. Amazing. Uh, we have a great guest joining us once again returning guest from the first season another uh fan of 90210 equally as passionate as ourselves uh jt who are we welcoming back here on this episode yeah it is our good friend mr john kesalika john how are you i'm great jt tim thanks for having me back and uh wonderful to be back in the halls of west beverly Uh, a lot of new faces a lot of familiar faces and this season really kicks off just some of uh, my favorite storylines throughout the whole series. Yeah, I think we all dug season one. I think we're all actually a little pleasantly surprised with season one. But season two really feels like the show starts to hit its groove. And we get a lot of the classics that you remember in the show. I think over the next like two to three seasons is really when those start to pour in. Uh, John, you have been here before, so we're not going to spend any time diving into your history of the show. You can head back to your first appearance to check that out. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm sad to see Summer go, like it brought some really fun episodes, but I think it's it's good to get back to West Beverly to really start to amp up the drama. Uh, a lot of those did feel a little bit like bottle episodes. Now it feels like we're going to start getting into more long-term stakes across the board. So let's dive into season two, episode eight, Wildfire, aired September 12th, 1991. 17.7 million viewers. So we're up a little bit from our uh, last episode, which is prior to Labor Day. We're going to get a big bump in our next one. So I'm guessing the vibe off of this episode was pretty high, seems like. Yeah. So let's dive in. We open up with Brandon having a daydream. He's on the beach. He's got three babes and a drink. Sees a bombshell walking across from the, off, across the sand from the ocean. And then we get a pretty classic shot. It's him pulling the shades down. Uh, and that's that's the one that would be in the open for, for a while. Uh, Brenda wakes up, wakes him up. You hear her say, Brandon, Brandon, it's the first day of school. And, of course, Brenda also had a nightmare. And they share their stories about school anxiety, including her anxiousness over seeing Dylan. We got a little montage, which I thought was pretty good, actually. Uh, them prepping for school. Kelly's getting dressed. She's trying to figure out her shoes. 
Andrea is sharpening pencils. Steve is trying all different shirts. Don is working on her hair. We go to West Beverly. We get another montage of various students, including the Walshes and Brandon's new car. Brenda says she prefers this ride to Mondale. We see the rest of the crew arrive. They all meet up in the quad. Steve says, hey, here we go, Kelly. You and I were barely on speaking terms. We've all come a long way here. They're all marching in. David is on the radio. He's uh, making announcements. We see Scott's back. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He comes into the studio, kind of knocks on the glass. We then, uh, the song playing here was Addicted to Love. Donna says she wishes she was addicted to love and uh, vows to get a boyfriend this year. Donna and Brenda are ready to do uh, some kind of talent show, but Kelly says she's not involved. She's not interested. David and Scott in the booth talk about their summer vacations. Scott talks about his time in Oklahoma with his grandparents. David talks about his summer in Beverly Hills. They both reel. They had no luck with the ladies. David kind of takes a shit out of the big uh, 10-gallon hat. Scott says he digs it, though. And then Scott gives David some CDs of country western music. Uh, we got a big scene coming up next. So let's pause here real quick, Tim. What did you think of our kind mm-hmm. of initiation into the episode? And uh, I like the montages. That's actually some of the better ones we've seen as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I appreciated this little montage scene because had this been a first season episode of the show, I think we would have kept our focus on the Walsh kids um, because it was so Walsh centric in that first season. Um, the world kind of revolved around them. And here we see that this has been opened up into a bigger world now. It's, it's not just about uh, Brandon and, and Brenda here. We're going to get a little quick shot of, of how everyone is coping with this uh, first day of school. Um, and, and some nice contrast as well with uh, really the pilot of these series where in terms of just where the characters are at and in, in terms of their interactions with each other, um, Steve kind of hangs a lampshade on that by even saying to Kelly, hey, we weren't even on speaking terms the last time we did this, right? So, and David is kind of big man on campus. Um, Scott is back. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Um, although he's been demoted from the uh, the main credits. Um, we'll see how, I don't know. I, I wonder if they kind of, if, if his fate is sort of sealed by the fact that we know he's no longer in the opening credits. So why is he on the show? Hmm. What's going to happen here? Um, but we'll, uh, we'll have to keep, keep our eye on that one. Um, and, uh, I guess the other, the other thing I marked out about speaking of opening credits is just, again, JT, as you mentioned, uh, that shot of Brandon with the, with the shades dropping and him, him looking kind of, mm-hmm. uh, starstruck. Um, I always love when you, when you get one of those shots within the show itself that, you know, you've seen a hundred times just from the opening credits, um, more than a hundred times really. So, um, you know, even late into this, this series, you know, that's kind of to be appreciated. So, um, I, I definitely went up for that sort of thing, but yeah, yeah good establishing stuff here. I definitely related to that feeling of ugh, back in school, but being a little bit excited at the potential at the same time, John, um, yes. how are you feeling with this, this opening, uh, re- reestablishing the, uh, the school setting for our characters? Yeah, Tim, you and JT both mentioned uh, the shot of Brandon with the sunglasses. And rewatching this episode, 
of all episodes, this feels like we pull so many shots from this that show up in the credits or in montages later on. Donna sitting on the on the quad eating a sandwich. Uh, Dylan yeah, coming up in Porsche like later is a scene that shows up in the credits. There's so much for, that just comes from this episode. It feels like they were like, we got to put the credits together. We only have a couple episodes in the can. Great, use this. Uh, and they stayed with us forever. But a wonderful uh, opening montage, getting the gang all together with a ton of parallels to that first season, the opening of the first episode. Brandon waking up again. He doesn't have the Godzilla alarm clock this time. Instead, we get the dream sequence uh, with him. And terrific, just uh, parallels of everybody, how they get ready. Last year, we saw Steve pull up in his Ferrari. This year, we see him trying on different clothes. Uh, that shot's in the opening credits of him putting on the weird striped shirt before settling on. That was one of my colleagues I wanted, or thoughts I thought had going into this. Of all those outfits Steve tried on, he settles on a red polo. That was his his fashion forward <laughs> choice to make. Yeah, right. Well, he's uh, a show the guns just, Yeah, but a perfect, you know, again, parallel to the first season of everybody arriving together, Donna and Ke- and and Kelly getting out of the car just as they did in the first in the first season, and before all meeting up and then seeing that ominous school leaning forward they have this almost sense of like here we are back at the big house i can understand they feel a little worse about it because they're repeating their junior year but uh yeah here we are great great to have the whole team together and really just set everything in motion before we get to our big introduction in the next scenes what'd you guys say if your friend came back from summer vacation with that cowboy hat on (laughs) uh what do you say what's it it's a little big it's a little big (laughs) A little much, a little much. Also, with uh, Scott coming back the night before from Oklahoma to get ready for school, that's it. It's I tight, mean, yeah. Yeah, he pushed it. Yeah, he's really pushing it there. He's got um, some confidence I mean, he to is, roll into to high school with that hat on, though. I mean, that's, that's confidence right there. It kind of is. There's a little bit of a, I don't know, BDE there from uh, from Scott. He is hat kid, as we know. Uh, you know. Yeah, but he's or, moved on from the Lakers, the Lakers hat to the Cowboy hat in this season. And I will say that in Steve's of Steve's options, I probably would have gone with that striped shirt. I definitely was rocking the big like red and blue paisley uh, at the beginning of this year in 92 for school. So uh, Steve, a little more conservative than than my taste going into it. What about you, JT? Uh, I didn't mind it. Like I said, I you know showing the guns off. Yeah, staying a little basic, a little conservative. Still obviously summerish time so you're not going to roll in with a sweater or anything crazy like that and mm. i thought it looked good i thought it was a nice simple look versus some of the pizzazz stuff he had right before it so i'm right i think it. brenda's choice of outfit gives her character a little more uh realization to it now she's gone for opted for the uh shirt and tie look uh <laughs> for arriving on the first day of school <laughs> yes yes she's done up all right dylan pulls up and sees a blonde chick on a motorcycle and he goes over to flirt with her a little bit it kind of jokes about how they both showed up late. We find out her name is Emily Valentine. She's a transfer and a junior. Dylan talks about the positives of Los Angeles. She's kind of feeling good. Dylan tries to get her to uh, ditch school for some donuts. And she says, not a good idea. Probably to ditch my first day at a new school. So they make a date for that night. We find out that Emily's locker is next to Brandon's. And he's a little smitten as they introduce and talk about transitioning to a new school. Brandon can relate to that. He tells her about a place she can hide her guitar at the West Beverly Blaze. 
Emily reveals that they move because her dad is also new Superman, a liberal rag writer. <laughs> That's what they say. Andrea comes in and she's all business right away. She's like, what are we going to do? We want this to be award-winning uh, school year with the paper. And Brandon slows her down. She's she's running hot. Emily cuts in. Brandon introduces them. She stores her axe in the closet. Andrea tries to recruit her for the paper, but she is out. Uh, all right. So let's pause here really quick, John. What are your initial thoughts of the arrival of Emily Valentine? I mean, we got we came to this together from a, a wrestling blog that we we chatted about, guys. And you talk about rocket pushes in wrestling, and Emily Valentine gets that off the start from the five minute mark. I noted it on the episode till like fifteen. She's in every single scene, and we get her connecting with each character. Uh, the perfect entree to her is just that that back and forth with Dylan, where we get to have Dylan use his amazing one-liners like political decision or you just oversleep when, when asking her about why she's late for school uh and then seeing her right away meet brandon a flirtation there set up a jealousy arc with andrea and really just catapulted forward when she wants to store a guitar she flashes the guitar and of course our sound designers kick in an electric guitar riff underneath to <laughs> just like just to highlight it <laughs> Whenever those have, this is 90210 at its peak with the music, when they just throw in those flourishes, I picture the, that they just have a guitarist sitting off set, and they're like, all right, hit it. <laughs> like, right when they when they flash that up, it's brilliant. And she is, uh, yeah, she is a rocket ship here, ready to take this series by storm. Yeah, that's a good comparison. It's It's hard to think of a character who, pound for pound, makes a bigger impact in as little time. Uh, and these these opening minutes here, minutes really with Emily Valentine, um, and, and we see how the guys respond to to her in their own kind of respective ways, right? Like you can see how Dylan is kind of drawn to her attitude, her flirtatious um, nature. How she's she's kind of going, she's kind of giving it right back to him. Um, of course, she's got the the sweet hog too, so he's going to be all into that. Um, you know, she seems like this rebel. So they're they're kind of like kindred spirits. And then with uh, Brandon, you've kind of got like the, the journalism connection in a way. And he's like interested in her for a guitar. Like this is sort of different, especially a, a new student the first day of school. She also talks about her father, who is apparently a writer, um, as if he's like Hunter S. Thompson or something. Like it's just like he's this weird counterculture. It's, oh, uh, yeah, L.A. Times, way too mainstream for him. It's like, come on. Um, you know, she's this transfer student from, from San Francisco, which I mean, the cost of living there is, is nothing to shake a stick at. So it's like, you figure she'll probably fit right in here in Beverly Hills. Um, but yes, yeah, strong first impressions all around. We've got this sort of tension set up between Dylan and Brandon and kind of Andre by extension. And she hasn't even met the girls yet. So I think if this had been like, the show's uh, season premiere, if we didn't get those sort of summer preview episodes, and, and this was our first episode of the season, and you actually put um, Christina Lee, who plays Emily Valentine, in the opening credits, this would this would make um, a strong impact, like, as an introduction to her character. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I see why she's now already a main character on this show. They don't go that route, but they very easily could have, it feels like, from the way she's presented here. 
Donna, Brenda, and Kelly are talking about the talent show. Donna wants to do a song called Addicted to Sex. I do not remember Donna being this, like, sexed up. Yeah. For someone that's main <laughs> thing you think of is a virgin. It's like, she is, like, oh, so horny every episode. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't or what? really straighten that out yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, crazy. I almost think they do this as, I don't know, like a deliberate swerve where you think she's like this bimbo who's all sex obsessed. And then right. they, they'll they do the big reveal that, oh, she's actually got this whole value system and da da da. Yeah, I mean, is she also just like over, like deep down knows this, so she's overcompensating and trying to come I across. I think like, that's the idea. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Like, I'll put it this way. I, I think that the showrunners, the writers probably have that worked out. Whereas they really probably didn't with her character <laughs> right. earlier in the series. I I think they're setting up for that with some of the the Donna stuff here. Yeah, we're still dealing with first season Donna who's hosting parties at her house and raiding her parents' liquor cabinet and stuff and such. So we're not quite at the strict strict mother Felice Martin, uh, you right, know, virginal right. Donna that we get later on. Yeah, I'd be curious when that comes up. Yeah, my, I, it's my deeper than I would have thought where they're going they just haven't pulled the trigger yet but i could be wrong about that or aaron spelling didn't put his foot down and say hey you know <laughs> quit having my daughter say she's addicted to sex uh brenda says you know we should do a g-rated uh so she says how about addicted to clothes and they say okay they kind of agree on that emily comes out of the stall kelly says who are you she says i'm the newest member of your group Dylan and Brandon talk at lunch, and Dylan says he has a date that night and wants to bring her by the peach pit and ask Brandon if he's okay. Brandon says, sure, why not? Emily's with all the girls. They talk about the cars they drive. Emily is breaking balls as she's strumming her guitar. Donna reveals that Brenda doesn't have a license. She sings a song about not having a car. Emily does. We cut to the Walsh house. The girls are writing the lyrics to Addicted to Clothes. Emily's there as well. Emily is surprised to find out Brandon lives there. Kelly says, this is the home of the Minnesota Twins, which is a pretty good line. Brandon heads off to work. Emily's shocked to find out that they're brother and sister. Brenda invites her over for a Wednesday night barbecue. Dylan calls, and he's looking for Brandon, not Brenda, who's a little shook about it. Emily talks about meeting Dylan earlier in the day, and things get quiet. Brandon's back at work at the Peach Pit. In come Dylan and Emily. She's charming Nat. Brandon's surprised that Dylan has Emily with her, with him and reveals that he has a date tomorrow night with Emily. Nat calls Emily a heartbreaker. Brenda and Kelly are on the phone, and Brenda says her mind is made up. They're seeing other people, and that is that. Uh, let's get to the last scene, and then we'll uh, get some thoughts here. So we cut to a cliff, uh, kind of a make-out point, where Dylan and Emily pull up. They're looking over the city, and they start to make out after he calls her spectacular. Dylan warns Emily he just broke up with someone, and they're not broken up. They're not together, so he doesn't want anything heavy, and Emily says she's cool with that. Brandon comes home and tells Brenda that Dylan and Emily were at the peach pit together, and Brenda says he's free to see who he wants. She's not going to be jealous. Brenda calls Kelly right away and says Emily has made the first move, just as Kelly predicted. All right, Sam, what do you make of all this leading up through Dylan's big date? Mm, okay, so we get uh, Emily meeting the girls. So we, we've sort of, um, I guess, <laughs> squared off that, that remaining uh, circle there, uh, pretty much inviting herself to to just join their, their singing troupe, which is... Uh, a little bit, I guess, uh, presumptuous, but I mean, she's, she seems to be a real go-getter. Um, and they, they seem to be, um, relieved because what the hell were they going to do in terms of, um, you know, having an actual musician, 
Uh, so we see, you know, Emily's multi-talented here, and she's she's got dual dates with both uh, Brandon and Dylan. Uh, has made friends with uh, Dylan's ex and Brandon's sister. It's just like there's kind of this um, preponderance of coincidences sort of piling up in, in the episode now surrounding this this new character. Um, but that all just reads as as very soapy to me. It's it's a very like soap opera trope to set all this stuff up. And I mean, I really enjoy that stuff, so I'm fine with it. I do think it's worth asking you guys. Um, so I'll I'll throw the the question to John. Um, you know, we're getting an awful lot of Emily here in her first appearance, um, and she's coming on pretty hot and heavy. Are you at this point liking the character, or, or does this feel overbearing? Are they doing way too much too soon? I think it could have been really, really easy for this character to have been, like you said, you know, that poochy type of character that's just mm-hmm. overwhelming yeah. and nobody, and everybody turns on it immediately. And that's credit to Christina Lise and mm-hmm. her performance in this role, that it's not that. Uh, that she feels really genuine and just, you know, yeah. wanting to make friends. It's not that she's doing this for some nefarious means, you know, in some schemer. We just feel that she's, oh, a new kid at school. And we see the soapiness behind it, which is, oh, man, there's going to be these reveals. It's going to find out that there, the, that there are other people involved. And, and that sets up tension. And we actually are, I don't know, I, at least I'm sympathetic. To, I find her as a sympathetic character here. Yeah, uh, I do too. We're supporting the whole way through, and it's to me that's probably a credit to her performance, really that that carries that. I would largely uh, agree. Yeah, because yeah. she's she's doing a good job of portraying that fish out mm-hmm. of water, where she's getting mixed up in this drama, but none of it's her fault. None of it's by design. Well, but I will that's say just, this: I agree with yep. you. I don't think there is, but there is. There's just enough of a hint to where maybe you could think. She's trying to stir the pot. Like, I don't think she is. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think she's playing it great. But she's also playing it in such a way that it could be, right, a little bit in there somewhere. So they're almost doing a nice job leaving you for the reveal. Like, okay, are we going to end up where she is genuine? Or are we going to end up where it's revealed that she's a bad girl and doing this on purpose? Right? Like, I think we go either way. I think mm-hmm. Kelly putting the censors up because that was kind of her in the past, right? Which is how they played her up. Uh, over the last season or so like she's putting the flags up a little bit right saying hey i know this type of girl like this you know could be trouble you know puts that seed in your head right that there could be an issue and it's also um sorry i I was just gonna say it's also making brenda look really bad so it's like is the show really that willing to kind of throw brenda's character under the bus for the sake of gassing up this new character right where you could see where it seems like uh brenda's um being so unfair towards this new girl but if it turns out that she really is this antagonist who's intentionally stirring the pot and brenda's gonna be kind of exonerated for her behavior you could totally see that happening but um i mean that's not the direction they're gonna go but it's like it i don't know i, I think it's admirable that the writers have the confidence in, in their characters and in their audience that they'll let Brenda look pretty bad here, like pretty bad throughout this whole episode, quite honestly. Right. And the writers have faith. No problem. The writers also have faith in what this story arc is going to be. You know, they've introduced what 
seven, eight, nine story of the week characters in season mm -hmm. one that we saw that were yeah. just like this would get, hey, let's introduce them at the beginning. And uh, well, all right, we solved their problem by the end. Yet here we're planting seeds for a much more long term term story. And it's more effective in that way. And I think the fact that they provide her character with depth and stick with her um, through all of these interactions helps to you know, establish her more, you know, that she's not going to just be gone by the end of this episode and on a bus back mm -hmm. to Marin County. Right. All right, David, uh, I think I've got John. I'm sorry. sorry okay. JD, the, some of the things we set up that they're going to sing the song. I loved that they actually had a motivation behind that or a reason for it, because it seems really out of place that Brenda, Donna and Kelly would be like, yeah, let's perform. Uh, but it draws on the fact that, hey, Donna and Brenda had just done a, you know, a summer in acting class, so they were mm -hmm. up for this performing, mm -hmm. uh, performing aspect. So I appreciated that. And uh, Dylan, as I said before, he had this great lead-in line with Emily, but here he's really leaves a lot to be desired, and his, his, uh, his moves are just, you know, she says the view spectacular, and he just hits her with, "Well, you're pretty spectacular too." I mean, come on, Dylan. <laughs> That's not the Dylan mm -hmm. we know. He's his hard side of Dylan. That's clear. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what I got. Yeah, it's clear that he's he's doing this because he feels he should. But he's he's been pretty consistent all along. He he did not want to break up with Brenda. Like like he that's where his heart is. That's where he is. Like that's been very obvious from the start. So. All right, David's at the studio. He calls Scott in and asks him to cover the gig while he takes a piss. David tells him what to do and runs off. And Scott puts on his country western music. Brenda's venting to Andrea and admits she almost called the rap line last night because she's so shook by Dylan and Emily. Andrea tells Brenda she told Dylan to see other people and Emily can do what she wants. But then Brenda tells her, well, she's going on a date with Brandon tonight. And now Andrea's shaken up by this. So it's, you know, it's OK for uh, Brenda to have to deal with it. But now when it's her man. She's a little messed up. Emily goes to talk to Steve, asks for help finding the tech room, and Steve makes a move. She puts a kiss on his cheek and Kelly and Donna are aggravated. Bitching with Andrea and Brenda. They call Emily a slut. David is aghast at the country western music. He cuts it off and shits on Scott. <laughs> the, my favorite line of the episode. David said, I'm a taste maker. Yes. It's cool. Yes. They like what I play, not what you want. Scott says that David hangs with Kelly. So now he's Fred Cool, which is another funny line. <laughs> David says Scott hijacked the show, and that's not cool. Emily tells a girl she has a gynecologist appointment with her mother. She says her older sisters made dumb decisions, so now she has to play it safe. Brenda storms off to go talk to Dylan. She grills him about Emily, and, and Dylan basically says, go ahead and knit her a scarlet letter. Dylan wants answers, and she cuts him loose and says to see other people, and now she's throwing it back in his face. He says it seemed like forever that they've been together. Brenda asks Dylan if he likes her or because she'll sleep with him. Dylan says, you gave up the right to ask me about my sex life when you dumped me. Brenda, Don, and Kelly catch up, and Brenda thinks this is because she wouldn't sleep with him, so now she, he went and got someone that would. David is back in the booth. He dedicates the next song to the hottest girl in school, the girl on the bike. Of course, that's Emily. Donna says Kelly is no longer pre will fantasy number one anymore for David. Kelly tells Emily she inherited the David Silver fan club. Brenda tells Emily all the guys are lining up. Must be a good time to be at the gyno. Kelly smartens Emily up about Dylan and Brenda, and Emily realizes she really stepped in it. Um, so there's a lot there, John, to digest. But what do you think of this handful of scenes? 
I mean, yeah, just another home, just home run after home run uh, from David having to leave the booth and Scott putting on the Kung Fu Chicken uh, song or whatever he's playing. David then seems more upset about the song that he's just ready to leave dead air on while he's arguing with Scott instead of putting on a different track. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, you kind of glanced over one of those scenes of them again sitting at lunch where where uh, <laughs> where Emily Valentine tells the group she has to pass on, you know, rehearsal after school so she can go to the gynecologist <laughs> because her mother wants her to go on birth control. Just like announcing this to your to your group of friends that you met yesterday uh, is, is seems like an odd uh, odd thing to do, but also just you know a great great soap idea of all right, let's add even more tension as these girls start to really turn on her. Uh, we see that now she's infected all of the men at West Beverly as Steve refers to her as my funny Valentine, even though I don't know <laughs> if he's ever met her before, right. uh, but somehow comes up with that. And even David is dedicating songs to his mystery woman. So, uh, yeah, she has impacted West Beverly as much as she's impacted, you know, the show to us as the viewer. So we can see why D Brenda, Donna and uh, Andrea now are looking against her and they have that wonderful line looking at her walk down the hall and they say there's a name for a girl like that and then unison hit it with slut and that's probably one of the like more powerful uh like group group hates that i've seen in the show ever so good job she's turned the entire girls mm. against West beverly against her in 24 hours something only like daniel-san could do in karate kid series so good work yeah this is um <laughs> i mean this is a real mean girls kind of scene um where in very short order emily went from uh ingratiating herself to the gang in pretty much record time to uh now having heat with with all of the women in the group and all it really took was you know she <laughs> She's maybe a little bit flirtatious towards Steve, who himself is laying it on pretty thick. Um, and, I mean, they just take the slut-shaming her because, I mean, she had the audacity to to go out with, uh, with Dylan, not completely in ignorance of the fact that, you know, he's Brenda's ex. I mean, now, and now she's going to, she's going out with Brandon and, I mean, she doesn't know this, and they, they're really not giving her any credit um, at all for just the fact that she's new and trying to make friends and, and just treating her like some kind of man-eater. And uh, she even, in disclosing that she's on birth control, um, she mentions, you know, two older sisters who, mm -hmm. uh, you know, had accidents, so to speak, so her, her mother was a little bit more proactive. So it's not like, she doesn't just put it out there like, oh, well... You know, now that I'm here and I'm dating so many guys, I figured I better get on the pill. Like, she kind of um, gives some context to this, but they're just, um, the ladies are not having it. So, Andrea's pissed at her because she's got eyes for Brandon. Brenda's pissed at her because she went on that date with Dylan, and maybe she's uh, willing to give it up to him. Uh, even Kelly is pissed because apparently Kelly is no longer the apple of, david's eye that one sort of comes out of nowhere but um i guess they had to give they had to give um kelly a little bit something here um because as much as she's like 
complained about uh, this unwanted attention from David. She, I'm, cer- I'm sure she certainly didn't mind getting gassed up on air um, by David, you know, throughout the school year, pretty much on a daily basis. And uh, so now that is done. Uh, I guess the only person she's still okay with is Donna, although you wonder how judgmental Donna might be feeling in light of that birth control reveal. So um, we don't necessarily know that, but in retrospect, um, you know, you could legitimately say that all four of the girls are are now turning on her for various different reasons. And uh, yeah, that kind of sucks for Emily. I'm still, you know, like I said, if anything, this has made her even more sympathetic in my eyes mm-hmm. and uh, makes our main characters, particularly Brenda, look pretty bad. Yeah, we'll see what Emily said, too. Is... She's going to be saying it, right, like that. I was just trying to make friends. But you could yeah. argue maybe she was too forward, right? Like, she maybe. probably doesn't need to maybe. share that she's going to the gynecologist to get birth care. Oh, whatever. I mean, like, I know she's maybe mm-hmm. a little aloof to the talk around her, but it's like, okay, you did just meet these girls, like, a couple days ago or a day ago. <laughs> We're not even, like, a day in at this point, you know what I mean? Um, so maybe, like, slow that part down a little I don't know. Like I, it, it's, it's tough. I think she's almost put herself out there too much in the attempt to try and make friends right away, which I think she's realizing as it goes like, okay, maybe, maybe I should have learned a little bit about the ecosystem before just picking a random group of people and getting in the middle of their interpersonal. Yeah. And I mean, in, in fairness that having that conversation as openly and as casually as right she does in 1991 is probably very different from, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how g- girls, within their friend groups um, talked back then. I don't particularly know how girls that age and their friend groups talk today, but I'm assuming that it's even someone, you know, kind of new to the scene that still isn't nowadays seen as like a huge big deal. Like, ugh, I'm on the pill or I've got to start taking the pill or whatever. It's, you know, probably neither here nor there nowadays versus 1991 where it's like, you're doing what? So. Yeah, because we see Brenda even use it, I, I guess, in the next one of the next scenes where she even brings it up to Brenda. She's like, did you know she's on the pill? Yeah, she acts <laughs> like it's the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. yeah. All right. Scott comes to the booth. He apologizes to David. He said, some of the kids like the music, but David warns them, don't do it again. Scott invites him over to hang out, but David says he has to have dinner with Mel, Jackie, and Donna tonight. <clears throat> Scott tells David, come by tomorrow. I have something explosive I want to show you. Brenda's grilling Brandon as he gets ready and is no selling all her bitching. He says he's going to have a great time. Brandon and Emily drive around and talk about life, starting a new school. Emily says she broke the commandment about going out with Brenda's ex. It says Brenda should have just talked to me. Emily says guys like her. It is what it is. Brandon takes Emily to the makeout spot. She acts all impressed, says, oh, this is the best I've ever been to. They start to make out. But Emily admits that Dylan took her there last night and the same thing went down. And Brandon jokes about losing originality points and then they go back to making out. A uh, good scene here is Wicked Games is playing, which is uh, pretty mm. well done. The next day of school, Brandon catches up Dylan. He says he's into Emily and he asks Dylan how serious things got. Dylan says, if it went great for you, then why are you worried about me? Dylan says, you know, last time you asked me about a girl, I warned you that I'd get a free shot. Are you sure you want to proceed with your question? Brandon says, yes. Dylan says, I did not sleep with her. Brandon says, okay. Opens up for the free shot, but Dylan just kind of teases and then passes. 
Scott is at his house. David comes by and he shows him his new fireworks stash they got in Oklahoma. David says they hate fireworks. And Scott says, well, you used to like them. And David says, well, they're kid stuff. Scott instead then pulls out a 22 rifle. We escalate quickly. <laughs> the fireworks. He shows it off to David. David is really not impressed now. Scott's bragging it up points to the sky and shoots at a bird. David is not amused at all and takes off. He knows this is bad juju in you know, his backyard here in Beverly Hills, firing off rifles at, at birds. No bueno. Alright, let's pause quick there because we get some more big stuff coming up here at the house. Uh, Tim, what do you think of uh, Scott's introduction to his explosive materials? Oh, boy. Um, I, you know, I, I think that... Um... Turning a character in a, into a gun enthusiast on a show today, again, here we are contrasting what an innocent time 1991 was um, versus how they would probably portray this nowadays. I think they would perhaps go in a different direction with poor Scott and uh, his ultimate fate. Um, it would probably be a lot darker. Um because this plays as more um, kind of absurd and, and ridiculous than it does, like, I don't know, scary, right? Mm -hmm. It's more like, what the hell are you doing? Like, shooting the birds by the pool kind of thing. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. As opposed to, um, you're already kind of an incel. Now you're messing around with guns. Should we all be really worried? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't think it's so, on his mind just yet, David, but it's, it's clear he's no, spooked by no. it. It's, not on David's it, mind, but, no. but I think the they did a good, anyone right, watching right. this, it, it might be like, mm, I don't know about all this. But I thought they did a good job, too, like just establishing this kitchen not have a gun because they've no. set up that he is he's basically like a, a young high schooler at heart. Right. He's a junior, yeah, but he's more like eighth grade in, in, his, uh -huh. in his mentality. Right. He's still into playing with army figures and not, you know, like, right. He's like just still kind of a kid at heart. So mm -hmm. it's like giving like a 12 year old a gun, right? Like it's, it's worse because he plays young. So I think that enough right there shows you. And then him just shooting a bird in his backyard in the middle of LA, right? <laughs> Establishes that this kid is not someone who should have a gun. Well, Scott and right. David are only sophomores still, right? Cause they're still a year behind. David oh, right. Cause David that. hasn't studied up yet. Right. Right. But, so the, yeah. they actually did advance to uh, the next grade. Having said that, yeah, they're only sophomores. Right. Um, so now they're just a year behind the gang as opposed to two years. Uh, but yeah, and it's like, you're getting that sense that, um, yeah, pretty profound case of arrested development or just immaturity on Scott's part. So, uh, I mean, I think this is the most screen time probably Scott has actually gotten on mm -hmm. the show. So to date, which is. You know, kind of unfortunate given his demotion from the main cast. So uh, clearly they're setting up for something. So it's it's like maybe don't get too attached. But uh, um, it, th this is definitely more attention and more character development that that he's seen here in this one episode than he's really gotten in this series to date. So, all right. Yeah, yeah, Tim, I think it serves as a as a contrast, like you brought up before, you were worried about, are we getting too much of Emily right away? 
here we're seeing the same thing of, all right, let's get as much Scott exposition as we can out of the way. We've never taken a second yeah. really to, yeah. to, to, to pause and reflect on this guy at all. Now we're going to say, hey, he went away to Oklahoma for two months and he's come back with a, with a, as a country music loving gun gun lover. Uh, it's 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 that's a more jarring uh, introduction yes. of a character and, and mm-hmm. way emphasis on it than Emily is. So it's interesting to see them, you know, the uh, them side by side, the juxtaposition of them here. Right. Yeah, true. Um, and as for the Emily stuff, I mean, Brenda continues to be presented in, in a pretty negative light here. I mean, this converse, this confrontation she has with Brandon, I'm like kind of firmly on. Brandon's side. Um, he's sort of taking it in stride that even though she had this date with Dylan, whatever, it was just a date. Now Brandon's going to take her out and that will be just a date and they'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon and Dylan kind of have their issues to work out, but as far as Brandon's concerned, that is between them. And um, yeah, I'm kind of with him. I thought he, he handled this well, big time music drop in that, um, wicked game scene the, the uh, make out uh, lookout point whatever you want to call it um that's one of those i mean if they were to restore anything music wise from this show that's one you you would hope they would prioritize but who knows if we'll ever see it um you know in its intended form again on streaming on home media what have you but um that's that's a big one so it's and this is another episode you won't find on streaming, so it's a shame. It's a shame that people can't readily watch this unless it's on, unless they're doing Pluto or, again, the uh, I guess the DVDs. But um, I don't know how they edited around any of this or what they, you know, replaced the great Chris Isaac with. But um, anyway, John, anything you wanted to add here? Yeah, to your point, Chris Isaac's Wicked Game takes its place side by side with losing my religion as the the best needle drops to, and and, yep. and in, used in parked car scenes in in 90210 up to this <laughs> got point. a lot of mileage out of that huh <laughs> yeah. um and yeah just i you know what kudos to brandon for you know not being you know so offended that emily would go on dates but being open-minded to to understand that people can go can date other people but he you know he's interested in this girl she likes him and you know maybe that'll work out for him he doesn't take the brenda approach of like well this is awful yes he does ask dylan about it but he's at the same time you know bygones of bygones and he's able to move on you know with his own life so you see that juxtaposition of him and his sister there and yeah brenda really evolving into some of the more selfish characteristics we come to see of her over the series that are usually based around around Dylan <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, this episode just continues to to you know really really push forward. We're definitely not on summer vacation anymore, as we are you know really in the midst of a, a you know big season. All right, we're at the barbecue. Emily's there. Donna says she can't believe she showed up, but Kelly says, "Well, all her boyfriends are here." Kelly is like. <laughs> The Statler yes. Waldorf of Naruto has been pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing at some point they're going to amp her back up. Well, we know they are, but um, <clears throat> sooner or later they're going to amp her back up into something. But right now she just is like sitting backdrop of the one-liners. Uh, this yeah. is another one that's pretty good. 
Uh, Emily goes to get her guitar, and Brenda says, oh, good, a hootenanny. And Emily gets in her face. She said, you invited me, and and I can leave if you want me to. Emily says, you know, she didn't realize this was Knott's Landing, so she needed a list to keep track of whose boyfriends are whose. Tells Brenda to grow up. She knows what it's like to be in the new kid in school. Why are you treating me this way? Emily says, all I was trying to do was make friends, and she storms off. And bitch mode Brenda is at it again, wreaking havoc here. And it really all ties back to her freaking out over the pregnancy scare and dumping Dylan. Like, since then, she's been a train wreck. And yeah. it's interesting because they've really done a nice job of giving the history to why she starts to turn the way she did, right? Because she really wasn't this way prior to that breakup in season one. It really has been since then that the stress of it has just broken her down to where she's jealous, agitated, confused, like all of this continues to pile up. So uh, Cindy lays into Brenda about her behavior. They talk about her dating Dylan, Brandon and uh, Brandon and Cindy says she doesn't seem like that sort of girl. <laughs> a funny line. Yeah. Uh, just trying to fit in. Brandon says she's very friendly and is keeping up with the uh, Brenda says she's very friendly and keeping up with the slut attack. Cindy reminds her about what it's like to be new. Brenda says she can't stand to think about Dylan and Emily together. Brenda admits she missed up. She misses Dylan. She loves him. And Cindy says, well, go get back with him. Brenda says, what would dad say? But Cindy reassures her they'll be fine. Brenda goes to see Brandon and apologizes. All right, uh, John, thoughts on this before we get to the kind of final stretch here of the talent show? I mean, you nailed it with the Kelly one-liners. She had one early in the episode where Steve was like, hey, remember last year we were, you know, you weren't even talking to me. And she hits him with, oh, the good old days. Uh, She's just, she's just rife with him. And with Brenda on the phone earlier, Brenda's like, oh, we agreed to other people. And she's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) You're not. (laughs) Kelly is, Kelly is just. All over the spot and, uh, and being used very nicely here. Uh, yeah, Emily, you know, with a powerful moment, just, you know, being able to express, well, yeah, what the hell is wrong with you, Brenda and everybody? Why are you guys trying to make her feel bad? Or why are you, you know, you know, not being accepting of her in any way? And pointing out that Brenda, of course, should know about this, having been new. Mm-hmm. So to have devolved and taken on the other role in her, in the mean girl role in her part is really... Uh, kind of hopefully a moment that Brenda learns from. So we will see moving forward if there can be some sort of reconciliation for this group and they can come together uh, towards the end. I suppose this confrontation was a long time coming. It was really coming to a head here. And finally we see uh, Brenda make that one snide remark too many and uh, awfully bold of Emily to... uh, read brenda the riot act basically in her own house uh where are jim and cindy while this is going down by the way Mm -hmm. it seems like they at least cindy must be in the room because she directly you know presses brenda about i've you know i've I've never seen you treat someone like that before when they have their little heart to heart so are they just standing there letting this play out i mean it had to be an awkward situation all around but um i guess it had to happen um I mean, again, uh, Emily makes exceptionally valid points. Uh, Brenda's firmly in the wrong here. I can't really find any way to, to defend her or for her to come out of this, you know, um, looking like uh, she is in any way sympathetic, really. So um, we get the much-needed heart-to-heart with Cindy, as I said, and... Um, a good uh, Cindy Brenda scene, which we've talked about before. We've seen a lot of uh, Brenda 
gem stuff. Um, but I like the mother daughter stuff that I think is kind of underplayed throughout this show. Um, but is equally necessary. And Cindy's just, I mean, basically lays it right out. Like, just get back with Dylan. Clearly, he's still head over heels in love with mm-hmm. you. You didn't want to break up with him in the first place. What the hell is your problem? Like, And that just goes back to, we know for a fact that Cindy doesn't have a problem with Dylan. She never has. She flat out said in an earlier episode, you know, I like Dylan. He seems like a, a nice kid. Like, all the, the heat is really on you know, the gym side of, of, of this argument. So Cindy's like, eh, don't worry about him. Just date who you want to date. Like stop overthinking this and punishing yourself and taking it out on everyone. So again, good mother daughter stuff here. Hopefully this is going to bring us to more of a resolution, but boy, if we, uh, we've run a lot of conflict out of this <laughs> yes. Brenda Dillon breakup, I mean, over the course of eight, eight episodes, episodes now, yeah. Yeah, that's paid dividends. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if this is a turning point. All right, let's get down our final stretch here. David is stressing; he's setting up this talent show. Donna and Brenda tell Kelly that Emily's not coming, so Kelly wants to cancel. Basically, says we suck without Emily. David's pissed; he says they're they're you guys are my best act. Now we're gonna close with Jamie Thurman and the dancing soda cans. Kelly tells Brenda that she was awful to Emily and tells her to go apologize and beg Emily to come back. Brenda goes into the school and finds Emily in the hallway. And I should mention Brenda, Donna and Kelly are dressed up for their act. They have black dresses and their hair is like heavily slicked back. Um, So that's, that's their look. They're like the backup dancers in the Robert Palmer addicted to love because that's what they were going for to begin with. They're going to do a parody of addicted to sex. Yes. Addicted to sex. Yes. Uh, Brenda finds Emily. She's Emily's still very salty. Brenda says she deserves whatever Emily has to say. She apologizes for her behavior and asks if they could start over and get another chance. Emily says that she liked Brenda. She opened up to her and was honest and it got turned against her. And the next time Brenda calls someone a slut to get her facts straight, she doesn't sleep around with anyone. She's actually a virgin and she's only on the pill to be prepared. Brenda apologizes again, and Emily realizes she thinks that she slept with her boyfriend and then dated her brother. Brenda's kind of stammering, and Emily says she can still hang with the crew. And if Emily isn't on that stage, Kelly and Donna will never talk to her again. And after all, can you even resist drooling freshmen? After hearing all that, Emily caves, and they decide to do a different song. Addicted to Clothes takes a back seat, and they sing Breaking Up is Hard to Do. So they're up on stage. Emily's playing the guitar. Steve, Dylan, Andre, and Brandon are all in the crowd watching. The students are all digging it. You can tell Andre's a little jealous, so Brandon comes over and hugs and kisses her on the head. Always with his mixed signals with this poor girl. <laughs> Scott talks to David and pumps up the show. David makes a joke about the gun, and Scott apologizes. David says maybe Scott changed this summer. Scott says all he did was go on vacation. David says, well, maybe I'm the one that changed. And Scott says, you're a big man on campus now, and I'm just a geek. They make plans to hang out next week. And then David tells Scott, hey, cool it with the guns. The girls celebrate their big applause. Kelly's riding high. Kelly and Donna have to hustle off to various commitments with their families. Emily and Brenda chat. Brenda says Knott's Landing is on tonight if you want to come by and watch it. Dylan shows up, and Emily tells her he's a hell of a guy and that she shouldn't throw it away. Brenda goes up to Dylan. Emily's watching as they're talking. Dylan and Brenda then uh, are then we cut ahead to Dylan and Brenda at make out point. They talk about resetting their relationship to back where it left off. Brenda says she got scared and had to think and miss that she missed it, misses and needs Dylan. 
And what they have is more than physical. Dylan says he was never in it for sex. He loves her. She says, I love you too. And we are back on. Dylan admits that he kissed Emily, but that was it. And Brenda says it's none of her business and apologizes for everything. And Dylan says he's happy to have her back. And we wrap up. All right, Tim, what'd you think of the final stretch here? Oh, boy. So, um, all right. <laughs> I love um, Brenda basically being ordered to go and grovel to Emily um, so that they can get some actual talent out there in front of this crowd because the girls just suck with, with all the effort they put into um, their their wardrobe. I mean, addicted to clothes. You know, you got that on full display, but apparently they're just not going to be able to pull it off on the, on the uh, basis of their singing abilities alone. Um, so, you know, we, we get the, uh, the resolution between Brenda and, and Emily. And I, I think as a kind of positive knock on effect, this, without the sh- this episode turning into like a, a very special 90210, it, it kind of, um, very, you know, in a, a very subtle way, makes the case and makes the point that, Hey, you know, young women can be on the pill for any number of reasons that don't mean that they're actively having sex right now all the time. Right. That, you know, you just want to be protected. It has other benefits. Like there's, it doesn't mean that, Oh, she's just thrown at every guy. She see, you know, like, I don't know. I, I think this was sort of destigmatizing in a way that she just puts it out there. Hey, um, I just want to be prepared and be responsible. And by the way, I'm a virgin and I'm right. in no hurry to change that, you know? So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of appreciated that they threw that in there. Like they didn't really have to, but um, again, I, I think it's what separates this show from just other teen dramas um, by injecting more of that realism into it. Uh, so the stuff, and, and by the way, they, um, seem to change their entire act in record time. I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> to go from however long they spent preparing, you know, addicted to sex slash clothes to now breaking up is hard to do. I, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like they would have had to change their choreography. Um, it's just, um, that one is not the most uh, plausible um, but thing in the world, but you know, it's what these types of shows do. Um, some real bad, ADR, like the, the lip sync, it's it's just totally off with the singing. Uh, I don't know if Christine Elise can actually sing or if that was her actually singing, but boy, did they not match the audio up to her lips, but oh well. Um, I'm pretty sure it's one vocalist doing all the parts if you listen to it. I think that's yeah, the same vocalist. I think so. Backup. <laughs> and she, she had a scene earlier where she was uh, meant to be singing and playing the guitar as well, where the same thing is just like, Man, they didn't uh, sync this up well. Um, but anyway, uh, the wrap up with David and Scott, um, they really could have left it on, hey, let's make plans to hang out, you know, next weekend or whatever. But because they added that extra little beat of, you know, cool it with the guns, we know that that's not over with. That yeah. just they had to throw in that one little extra line to let you know we're not. We're not drawing a line under this thing. Like, this is not a neat, tidy, happy, everything. We're back on board as friends between these two. Like, there's going to be more to come here. And they they let you know it. Um, And then finally, 
the inevitable Brenda and Dylan getting back together, getting back on track. Um, you know, a callback to their, their breakup scene where, you know, they're back in the car, um, you know, got the iconic music. Um, it's just, uh, it's another one of those scenes that it's a nice bookend, right. To their relationship, such as it is up to this point where, you know, we saw the last time we saw them in this type of setting, they're breaking up. It's, it's like played as this Greek tragedy almost. And now it's, it's much more triumphant. We think maybe, um, the Fox executives have chilled out (laughs) about, the fact that these two were like forced to break up for having sex or whatever with no consequences. So, uh, they're back. We got some good drama out of it. And, um, I don't know. I I wonder how long it's going to be before we forget the fact that they were actually broken up for eight episodes to the point that, you know, Dylan went on a date with somebody else and got back together with Brenda in the same episode. Right. Like I think in a while we're going to be like, Boy, remember when that happened? That was mm-hmm. <laughs> that seemed like a long time ago. Because um, I remember this season as being very, very Brenda Dylan heavy, and uh, we're gonna see, um, you know, what's in store for the rest of their relationship. The ups and downs. Are they gonna make it long term? Are we rooting for them? Still a lot to come here. John, where are you at? You know. Uh... If anything, this closing, you know, performance and the event itself really kind of challenges David Silver's claim earlier of being a tastemaker. Uh, <laughs> you know, his his decision, I'm not sure his booking led him to have a headline act of three girls who had never performed together before doing a uh, a Weird Al style send up of a 1986 song. Seems right. <laughs> seems like an odd choice at the time. Uh, but. That said, it all does come together uh, very nicely. Uh, this performance of Breaking Up is Hard to Do, for some reason, is something that's very well ingrained in my mind. I feel like I just remember it from seeing it when it first aired and seeing it countless times in reruns. Uh, their stupid little dance that in their editing gets repeated twice. Uh, yes. It's one of the more shot. You mentioned the ADR, Tim. The whole scene is so sloppily edited and put together compared to every slickness of the rest of the episode that it's it feels so like kind of last minute at the Mm -hmm. time we're we're repeating like like shots of them dancing and then emily the vert she sings the same verse a couple times in a row uh because they have to (laughs) they have to just stretch it out so that uh so that we can have all the action happening in the background and yeah, you're right. Maybe we don't need the hey, cool it with the guns, but this is still early 90210. We are gonna, you know, smack you over the head with guess what's coming, you know, a few times. Um, I think it was good because the show David really is like he's got a bad vibe about the guns, and he like he cares yeah. about Scott even if they're drifting apart. He knows maybe Scott's tendency is to be stupid, play a little loose with this type of stuff. So. I think he like just kind of saw a real red flag in that scene. So I didn't mind. It kind of shows David. I thought again, it showed that David is like maturing at a different level than Scott. And that's, that's what they're playing right. up right now. Yeah. They play up the whole, Hey, you sure, sure did change a lot, you know, since over the summer. Right. Well, maybe not. You're just sort of waiting for the uh, narrator. He would not in fact cool it with the guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Also, like, I mean, we're just pulling out like a rifle that you use at camp or something. I thought, you know, I thought we would, if, if it was pistols or something like we'll see later, maybe I would have had a stronger feeling, but I don't know. Mm. <laughs> uh, but hey, everybody's back to, you know, back in place. We've got Brandon with a budding relationship with a, a fresh new character here. Andrea is, you know, happy with her newspaper and Steve is we'll, we'll see whatever steve gets into this year and dylan brenda yep let's go act and take two on that all right let's get to our awards we'll wrap things up here for best scene i went with emily and brenda in the kitchen at the barbecue i thought that was uh, i thought that was the most well done scene where they're just going back and forth with the shots and then emily walks off Ooh, yeah, I do like that scene a lot. Um, I also like the really pissy scene between Brenda and Dylan, mm. um, where he hits her with the, you know, you lost the right to ask questions about my sex life when you decided you didn't want to be part of it anymore. Um, I think I might save that for best line, though, because <laughs> it's, I mean, that's a real smackdown of a line. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go with the confrontation between Brenda and Emily. Um, it's just, yeah, that, that's good stuff between those, those two characters. Uh, best scene to me is that opening montage. It, it's one of the first times we see 90210 really use it and kind of sets the stage for, all right, they're gonna, they're gonna throw these in there and catch us up with all these characters coming together. Uh, it's so effective and, and and really just tells us a bit about everybody and also uh, gives us that glimpse of Beverly Hills, you know, really welcoming us back, even though we haven't been gone all that long. All right. Most important scene. I went Scott with a gun. <laughs> yes. I mean, um, irresponsible gun ownership by Scott's. I mean, Dylan and so, Brenda getting back together, obviously is very important too. So I'll, I'll probably go tie, I guess on the two of them, but yeah, I, I think we'll have, I don't know, more opportunities to heap some of these rewards on Dylan and Brenda's stuff. So how often is Scott going to pop up in this category? So I'll <laughs> I'll go ahead and give it to him with his uh, whipping it out and going to town on some Beverly Hills birds uh, right in the backyard. I'd go with Brand, uh, Brandon meeting Emily. Uh, that's mm, what's going that's to be, one, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's what, yeah. yeah. Their chemistry is there right away, and that's going to be what, you know, carries us through really the first half, if not more, of this season. Uh, and we, you know, later on get Emily's first visit to the Walsh parking lot or Walsh driveway where she would, you know, end up, you know, episode we'll look at later this season, too. But, yeah, her her first meeting, Brandon, I think, is uh, is really the important sets of dynamic that we're going to follow for the next several episodes. Even the episode title, um, it's called Wildfire, right? I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, that's. I was surprised <laughs> at that. I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't a little I didn't tease, know that yeah. Was, yeah. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Um, <laughs> well, it'll take us a minute, but rather significant to Emily's character. All right, most nineties look. I'm with Emily's hats. She had a Ooh. lot of them. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. She got some heat for that too. I feel like they. I don't know. The the fandom has some unkind opinions towards her and her appearance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's as good a place as, as any to 
put Emily on that fashion list for sure. I would I mean, say, I think it works uh, for her, but whatever. I would go between uh, 90s look of Steve's, the, the turned down, striped, flashy colored, Zach Morris colored shirt, or Brenda's like shirt and tie kind of Diane Keaton slash Blossom uh, look that she went through on her first day of school. But more than that was in the montage. They show a car antenna remotely going down into, into uh. the well. And that if there was something, and I, I know they're showing it as part of that to be like, look how fancy Beverly Hills is. Their antennas on their cars go down. And that was definitely something of a status <laughs> status symbol at that point in the 90s. So that, that jumped out to me too. All right, most 90s moment. I want Scott shooting the gun. I feel like... That was like something you just kind of could get away with back in the 90s. Now it would probably right. be a whole thing. But him just firing a gun off in his backyard uh, felt very early 90s to me with just no repercussion. Yeah, it does. Um, I don't know. The whole lookout point, makeout point thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, specifically tied to the 90s. Um but I don't think it's a thing anymore. It maybe died off in the nineties. Right. Um, but um, I don't know. That, that just felt like a very nineties trope to, you know, to have multiple scenes in the same episode where they're, you know, doing that. I'd say the high school radio station and high school newspaper being such big, yeah. <laughs> big aspects mm-hmm. of, uh, of the students' lives. I don't think we see that in high schools as much these days as you would have in the 90s where you had the newspaper kids and you had, you know, the radio kids. Andrea wants it to win an award. (laughs) Do they give awards for high school newspapers? Yeah. Maybe, like, in the Valley or locally or something. You know what I mean? Like, maybe. Yeah. Local stuff. Yeah. It's one of the issues I had with that opening where, where you know, he originally goes to the newspaper. Like, why are none of these kids in class? at all like, like why is everybody working on the newspaper at that point free period i guess yeah they I are kind of taking before their free school time yeah. early in the morning they take yeah. their time yeah the bell has rung yeah i remember <laughs> having no time from bell to bell just having no fucking time for any you know just farting around it's almost like you wonder if like they let them take that in place of a class or something like we'll go work yeah. in the paper or something right right all right uh best lesson learned if you're not Brenda, don't date Dylan McKay, junior year at West Beverly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do not spend the summer with your grandparents in Oklahoma if you're Scott Scanlon. Um, <laughs> or anyone from Beverly Hills, for that matter. Uh, try to find try to find some variety in your date options. Uh, as opposed to just driving to make out points. <laughs> in your dating pool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best hookup, I went with Brenda, uh, Brenda, Brandon and Emily. Um, I thought they were the, the hotter date overall. And, and like you said earlier, Tim, the chemistry there is much more on point. Um, yes, and I, I like that, uh, that needle drop as well with them um, and the make out. Yeah, much better. It's funny that... Um, this turns into more of a, a Brenda Dylan episode mm-hmm. and it sort of falls by the wayside that, Hey, um, Brandon and Emily are like kind of an item now or going to continue right. going out. At least they sort of, 
I don't know. They 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 let that one kind of not drop. I mean, obviously we're going to continue to follow that, but it never really gets followed up on after after their date, really. You know, beyond right. Brandon and, think- and Dylan kind of, you know, getting to a place of well, you know. Dylan admitting we didn't really have any chemistry, so I'm out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, it has to be Brandon and Emily. I think, you know, more more testament to that the power of their dynamic on screen is that, you know, here Emily first goes after or first dates and makes out with one of the most pivotal characters on the show, one of the most important characters on the show. And that by the time she's gone is completely forgotten. We never associate mm-hmm. that like Oh, Emily Valentine. Yeah, she hooked up with Dylan. You don't even mm-hmm. think about that. No, I kind of forgotten about it myself. Yeah. Right. All right. Best so, quote. I want the this is the home of the Minnesota Twins from Kelly, and uh, I am a tastemaker from David, which is my favorite <laughs> of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, funniest to me was was David declaring himself a tastemaker. I think my favorite though was was Dylan. Um, as I said earlier, the, the line about his sex life and mm-hmm. um, what Brenda is entitled to and what she is not. <laughs> I think uh, I was surprised he didn't walk away on it. Felt like a mic drop line when she's like, "We've only broken up for you know six right. weeks." And it seemed like forever to me. <laughs> like that felt <laughs> that. <laughs> that's just killer. Dylan just always. He has such power. That's why it's such a waste when he hits you're pretty spectacular to Emily. You know, right. Do so much better. Well, because he didn't care. I think that's why it, I think it worked yeah. well, because it was clear his heart really wasn't in it. Like he was just going through the motions almost. He didn't put the effort yeah. in because he knew like he didn't really want to be on that date. He wanted to be with Brenda. So it's I actually thought it was well done that he saves the hot stuff for Brenda and just gives the <laughs> basic lines out of the book for uh, Emily. Okay, yeah. Dylan had another actual kind of nice dismissive fuck you lines to Brenda when she she goes to confront him. She's blowing up and uh, popping off at the mouth and saying, talking about how, you know, she she went out with you. Now she's she's made plans with Brandon. And Dylan just goes, oh, Brand, why don't you just knit her a scarlet scarlet letter while you're at it? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Final grade. Pretty loaded episode. Um, I went I went pretty high. I went nine out of ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna back you up. Nine. That's kind of how I was leaning. I wondered if I was too high, but um, no. It's my you first nine the since the prom. The prom episode was the last nine I had. It it does feel like it is in that tier that that um, caliber of show. I I'm with you. Yeah, it's abs- absolutely a nine for me. Uh, you come back if you if you haven't watched the summer episodes. I think you're still you still get filled in a bit on what mm-hmm. you've missed, you know, in them breaking up. And but you're just ready to go. And this show it is it is morphed or is evolved so much from those first episodes we saw last season that it is just there's no no. I mean, there's no surprise that, the, like, as you pointed out earlier, JT, the ratings are going to skyrocket from here. Yep. And this show just takes off. All right, let's get to our trackers real quick. Uh, character debuts, obviously, Emily Valentine. Relationships, Dylan and Emily and Brandon and Emily. 
places and things. All I noted was make out point and Scott's rifle. <laughs> Anything I missed there? <laughs> um, I, I think that covers it. Okay. A lot of songs like we talked about. Uh, so we have Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. We had Mercedes Benz by Janis Joplin. We have Teenage Mutant Kung Fu Chickens by Ray Stevens, who also is the uh, author of Classical Clock, one of my favorite, and In the Mood with the other chickens. He's <laughs> big at the chickens, yes. Ray Stevens. Uh, Leader of the Pack by the Shangri-Las. Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. And Breaking Up is Hard to Do by Neil Sadaka, covered by Emily, Bradley Kelly, and Dylan, uh, Donna. <laughs> so a lot of big songs in this episode, for sure. Let's get to our character rankings. Henry, Jackie, and Mel did not appear, so they all get zeros. I've gone ahead and plugged Nat in it with four. <laughs> Next, I think he's at the bottom okay. of the list. Just kind of had yeah. that one scene. Uh, so question for you guys. Are we putting Emily in here? Is she in enough to warrant making the list? Because it's going to kind of be like a chunk of a season and then pretty much done. Yeah. I mean, she's... So she's going to come back... Yeah, yeah, and but it's usually only for like an episode or two. And that's right, it. she goes back briefly in four and five. So. I mean, we have Henry. Part of the, part of the reason you have Henry. Henry. Yeah. Emily, Emily's know. Emily is always looming. I think. Yeah, I, I'm okay with her. She's just gonna end up at the bottom. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. So do you want to? Okay. So she'll obviously be more. T- oh, was Jim even in this episode? Briefly, he's cooking burgers or steaks or. Right, I'm gonna put Nat above Jim because Nat at least had the flirting with Emily. True. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Nat, Jim four, Nat five. Jim's in uh, the open credits now. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. I would say I guess Andrea or Donna or Steve would be next probably. Mm, yeah. Um. I guess. Steve, um, Steve had so Steve had so little to do here. Yeah, I, I would I would put Steve. Okay, yeah. then Andrea, then Donna, because Donna I felt like did a little bit more. She at least did the singing put, and all that. Yeah, but I would put Andrea over Donna because Andrea actually had reason to be jealous of Emily. Andrea calls back to the fact that she was working at the rap line still. Uh, Andrea, yeah. You know, whereas Donna's not been wrong, you know, per per se wronged, as these girls think, by Emily as Andrea has. And we actually see a bit of a character shift in that Andrea can feel that jealousy. We've never, we don't really see that in her before. So I would put her above Donna. Yeah, we also see her doubling down on like her academics. She's trying to treat the the uh, school paper as an even bigger deal. I mean, I which could awards. be cons- yeah, which could be considered the beginning of an arc for her. We just don't know yet. Um, so I, I think we can put her over Donna. I'd be okay with that. Okay. Even though right. Donna is addicted to sex. <laughs> she is. All right. So Andrea, and then you want to do Cindy or Kelly. I feel like they're kind of the next two. Mm. Cindy had, mm. I mean, Kelly well, we has have Scott. Lines. I don't know. Um, well, yeah. I think I, Cindy, I feel like. I think Cindy. Yeah. Because she really just has the one. I mean, it's, it's an important scene, but it's literally just one scene. Of, like a few lines. All right, so then it comes down to um, Scott and Kelly. 
I can't believe I'm saying it. I kind of think Scott over Kelly. Um, he just has more going on here. What do you think, John? But, yeah, Kelly is still Kelly is still in this kind of one-dimensional phase, and right. uh, you know, at least Scott has some progress. Whereas Kelly is just a voice on the other end of the phone, you know, stirring the pot on Brenda and or like you know interested in her own you know things of performing and whatnot it's i think scott is definitely scott's pushing things forward at least i mean right. good for him like good for him to at least get something and he, and he has he's graduated from the lakers hat i think we owe it to him to give him some time to shine in the rankings here he's not going to have many many opportunities All right, so then i think i'd go david 12 above scott and that mm-hmm. would leave us with Brenda, Brandon, Dylan, and Emily. Mm. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, I think I'd go... Hmm. Brandon. Then... Mm, Dylan... Emily, Brenda, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's the guys first, then the girls. But I'd actually, I'd, I'd flip the top two. I'd go Brandon, Dylan, Brenda, Emily in or this episode. Emily, Emily number one. Yeah, yeah for I this mean, episode. If there's ever a time for her to, if there's ever an episode that she's going to be number one, I, I think this would probably be it. Okay. It is such a strong debut. I mean, it is. It's I mean, she's the linchpin for the whole episode, so. Yeah. Okay. It's crazy. It's like, are we going to counter and it's like, yes, no, and if you do counter, you kind of have to put her number 1. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we knew she would finish high. I think the question is is she in enough to justify, right? Cuz we've had other great yeah. characters that we just didn't like we're one-offs, you know, but I, I, I mean, I feel like Henry's the barometer, you know, like mm-hmm. if we're, right. if we're going to have Henry, I know he's in another whole summer, but at the most he's going to be in what? 14 probably. Right. I'm right. guessing mm-hmm. she's probably not far off. I don't know her total she'll number, in, but. Yeah. She'll be in nine this less year. Less than 20. Yeah. It's, it's like gotta be nine, like three or four after this. So she'll be at about 14, 15, I bet. Right. Yeah, I don't think I even realized she was in that many, like, in this stretch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she may not be in all of these through her sort of semi-conclusion. Right. I don't think she is. I think there's kind of a stretch in there where she's sort of not around, and then she things heat, yeah, back, she's, heat back up, so to you, speak, with her and Brandon. I mean, if you, th- if you think about it, because she's only there homecoming when they're building the float so she's only there a semester right yeah. i see your point i see your point yeah. justin which is a shame yeah you know i mean it's it's a it's a brief run but i think she's a big enough character where she's not like a side character mm-hmm. you know she's kind mm-hmm. of a main character for that stretch so i don't know i'll be curious is there anyone like her later you know what i mean it's gonna be tricky when we get to like those 
post Dylan seasons where like Brandon and Kelly always have like the like Colin and the, yeah, the main Susan love like, interest, yeah. but it's only for us. And Donna with what's his face. Well, say so Joe um, might be a good, well, we got Ray. Ray may be a Joe good comp. Ray How much is, is Ray in? He's Ray's in, there like, for two all years of, though. Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah. He's in there for a while. Well, he's, he's like a recurring character though, throughout his, the season he first appears in. And then when they add him to the main cast, he's like not in that much of that season, you know, right. like he leaves kind of early. I feel like, and comes back a couple times, you know. I think someone like Joe may be a good comp because he's like yeah. a pretty big character. Yeah, Joe and Colin and uh, um, Susan. Right. Who was that chick Brandon dated after Tracy? Tracy. You know? Tracy. Lu- Lucinda, <laughs> like that might be a good one. Uh, Lucinda, uh-huh. the pirate. <laughs> Lucinda, Lucinda comes back. <laughs> the <Yeah>. pirate. <laughs> the pirate, Kyle Cavendish. <laughs> yep. Yep. Jones, Jonesy, all like Jones. Jonesy's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So, I mean, th- there's going to be other ones that we're going to have to decide, right? Like, they're I think they're going to be. Yeah, yeah, they're they're more than a one-off, but less than a regular. I mean, we kind of. Right. You're right. We set the precedent with um, Henry because the thing is with Jackie, she's not going to have a lot of appearances either. But I feel like she has at least one appearance through like the entire show run. You know. Right. It's not like she's ever going to go away. Well, we're going to have, like, Felice and stuff, too. Like, so, and Felice and Mel. And, yeah, I mean, I don't like, want to start making too many lists, but, like, it almost wonders mm-hmm. if at a point we should break out, um, break out, like, the semis the versus the, the, like, regulars, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, Mel, Jackie, put them mm-hmm. more with the Felice and the Emilys and all that, and then just whittle the main list down to like the top yeah. main eight or something. So we could talk about well, hell, maybe. you know, Gil Myers and, and, yep, uh, yep. uh, miss, um, miss Teasley, Teasley? um, Teasley. who we've seen like once, I think so far. Right. Well, we've yeah. Seen... All right, Tim, we'll have to do some introspection. If we want to break up our character tracker to, to kind of a, you know, part not part timers, but yeah, incidentals, I guess, and then mm-hmm. like the main, just recurring characters, yeah. Right. Like the main would include the main cast plus the the parents and that. Like to me, that would be the main group, and then yeah, the other ones would be like, I think we'd even shift Scott over like the part time. You know, like Scott, Emily, Jackie, Mel, Henry, yeah, and then yeah. all these ones we're naming now. So. We can see. All right, for now, though, here's what we got. So for this uh, this episode, we got Henry, Jackie, and Mel with zero, Jim with four, Nat with five, uh, then Steve, Donna, Andrea, Cindy, Kelly, Scott, David, Dylan, Brandon, Brenda, Emily. Here's our season two rankings. Mel uh, at the bottom with 12. He's now surpassed by Scott up to 13. And Emily with 16 in her one episode. Jackie just above her at 18. And then we go to the next. uh, Nat's kind of in his own tier with 26. Henry Thomas at 47, Portana's at 48, just one above Henry. Andrea at 55, Kelly at 60, David at 62, Steve at 64, Cindy at 67. So that's a big kind of bunch up right there. Then Jim at 79. This episode kind of hurt him a bit. Brenda and Dylan fittingly tied at 95. And Brandon kind of pulling the pace here in season two at 103. And then our overall standings through all the episodes we watched to date. Mel's in last with 12, Emily with 16, Jackie with 31, Henry with 47, Nat with 76, Scott with 77, then we jump up to Donna, who's in her own tier at 129, 
We have David at 189, Andre at 198, Kelly at 229, Cindy at 234, Jim at 237, Steve at 245, Dylan at 255, and then Brenda at 338 and Brandon at 344. So they're really uh, pulled away quite a bit in the overall ranking. So that'll do it for us here tonight, John. Thank you so much for joining. We appreciate it. Be sure to uh, share this with a friend if you really enjoy it. If you know someone else that's into 90210, send it over to them so they can check it out as well. Of course, we're welcome to any feedback you want to present. We'll be back in three weeks' time. We'll continue to move through season two. We're going to have a little dim sum, a little dim sum. And we'll talk to you Yeah.